Steve, ta Fautiroiv, Egg Podshkrela and Leniov, you're all very welcome to today's podcast brought to you by NUI Galway and Flirt FM, where we talk all things festival and more particularly all things first thought talks. My name is Marianne Kaneda. I'm a lecturer of drama and theatre studies here in NUI Galway. And today joining me in studio is Larry Donnelly, NUI Galway law lecturer and curator of one of the first thought talks coming up in the next week. So, Larry, you're very welcome into the studio today. And I suppose to get the ball rolling on the conversation, what brings you a lecturer here in NUI Galway? What brings you to and attracts you to the first Thought Talks and why did you get involved? Sure, well, it's great to be with you. Um, I, I think that the the first thought, the, the reason I've gotten to the first Thought Talks really, I suppose, arises out of my political avocation. I'm, I've been teaching here in the law school in Galway uh, for a number of years now, uh, but at the same time, uh, I do a lot of commentary in politics, mostly on American politics. Uh, and that uh, is why so many of these first Thought Talks, I think, are, are fascinating to me because um, a lot of the themes that are there are themes that I'm constantly writing about and talking about on the radio and television uh, with respect to Donald Trump and other forces uh, in terms of global politics at the moment, which make it uh, simultaneously fascinating uh, on the one hand, but also perplexing and challenging uh, on the other. And I think the first thought talks uh, this year provide a really good backdrop. And I think one of the key points is, you know, there uh, might be some thinking out there, it's an arts festival, why are we having these thought talks? Uh, I think art evolves in the context around it. I think it's very much driven in some sense. And we've seen that uh, in a whole sorts of mediums, um, the art that has emerged from uh, an expression that has emerged from the Trump presidency, Brexit, and all sorts of other uh, international political happenings. So I think it's a really good uh, addition. I think it complements our already very strong program. Absolutely. And I suppose you mention many of the, the theme and the theme this year being walls and borders and I suppose what what that's how that spoke to you in terms of uh, your own involvement in this year and what what is the talk that you're personally involved with well m- m- my talk is i'm i'm interviewing marion McKeown, who's been covering uh, the trump presidency uh, for various Irish media outlets uh, for the last while. Uh, she's also spent a significant amount of time uh, on the southern border with Mexico. And we've all seen images uh, and heard some very, uh, I think, scary things about what's happening there. Uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to actually talk to somebody and for people to come along and hear from somebody who spent significant time there and who cannot just see that the images and the screens and things we see in a two-minute uh, media report or some commentary on the radio, but to actually tell some of the human stories that I know that she's mm-hmm. seen uh, there on the border and to see uh, if there's any way out of that. Uh, and then I think at an, a more overarching level, I mean, it's that ground level, but then at a more arching, more overarching level, uh, the political backdrop against which this has unfolded. Uh, and there certainly has been a lot of finger pointing back and forth between Republicans and Democrats in the U.S. as to who's to blame. Uh, you know, Democrats say this is a human rights outrage perpetrated by the Trump administration. Republicans say that some of the things that we're seeing on the border now actually have been happening under Democratic presidents as well. So I think both that drilling down to see what's actually happening and then pulling back a level um, in terms of the greater political context, uh, that's what I'm looking forward to with Marion McKeown. And we'll also, of course, uh, as next year is an election year, we'll also be talking about uh, who the runners and riders are going to be for the Democrats. Great. Okay. And if, I suppose, when you say about putting it all in context, when you look at that bigger picture and the political context in uh, 
in Ireland with Brexit um, and particularly with the walls and borders mm-hmm. uh, and potentials, uh, do you see any uh, anything we can learn from what is what is happening in in the US at the moment um, in in advance of of what of what we will be negotiating? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if there's anything necessarily that we can learn as such, but one of the things that I'm constantly urging people to to recognize, and, and I think it's encapsulated in the subtitle to to the uh, to my interview with Marion McKeown, and that's a symptom of a greater U.S. sickness. And, and I put it to you that that might be a sicker of a greater uh, global or at least Western uh, sickness when it comes to how we look at the world and how we respond to the challenges. The challenges, I think, in particular opposed by uh, technology and globalization. Uh, and I've long been arguing that as, as much as it's easy to kick Donald Trump, it's easy uh, to kick Boris Johnson and others, uh, I think it's really important that we look at the trends that led, have led so many people into their political corner. Uh, and I think if we do look at those things, I think what we're going to find is we as a broader society uh, really are still trying to get to grips with a world that's changing very, very rapidly, again, uh, because of technology and globalization. And I I think the response uh, of too much, too many people in the mainstream, both media, political parties, etc., has been to an extent to put bury heads in the sand and pretend these things weren't happening. Uh, I think that's especially easy for people who ha- haven't been disproportionately affected by these things. Uh, I think one of the things that perhaps we might explore in these thought talks, and I think um, they will emerge, is how do we grapple with these things? And if we are to an extent to admit that perhaps uh, we might agree with everything or even much of what Boris Johnson or Donald Trump says, but to admit that perhaps they've identified something. Their diagnosis, their, their, their prescription might be totally wrong, but they've diagnosed something. Mm. Uh, how would we deal with it differently? And that's one of the things I think should emerge from these talks. Great. And and I suppose these talks, there are so many of them um, in terms of navigating what people want to go see and the curating of your own personal program through it. Um, if, you know... I, that notion will come back to your maybe your own picks in a while. But co- what about the notion of the public intellectual and and I suppose how that sits well? They're happening in the university. Many of these talks. Um, how how important is it for centres of learning like universities to be involved in this? Um, NUI Galway very much so taking uh, s- supporting this this kind of uh, work and very. Uh, from 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 the top down wanting to be involved. But why do you think that's important? It, it's vitally important, I think, in, in many respects because knowledge is power. And I think that one of the duties that's incumbent upon any university is to share uh, the knowledge and to share the expertise with people in its community. And I think one of the key points about doing that is it can't be, uh, I suppose, knowledge is being delivered from down on high. Uh, I think it really needs to involve people and bring people in in a participatory frame framework. Uh, I think that's perhaps some of the interaction that might be available through these first thought talks, some of the programs that the university uh, is engaged in that really involve community as partners, not as people who are, I, I suppose, something other. Uh, I think that that plays a really important role in it. And if we talk to talk about the democratization of knowledge, uh, that to me is one of the key functions and, abs- uh, and actually a duty uh, of any university. And again, I think that's why it's so important to have these talks uh, on campus. I think it sends all the right signals to the community uh, that's here. And I think it provides a really good opportunity for them, uh, for those who might be outside the university, and also for those of us inside the university uh, to engage at perhaps a different level than we're typically accustomed to doing. 
Sure, and to and to have those the public coming in to uh, those who would attend the arts festival coming in to engage. So there, uh, a different cohort to uh, a conference, for example, and a very important uh, a very important cohort of people who carry an awful lot of weight in 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 how we democratize knowledge, as you said. Absolutely. I think it's really important. I mean, I've been involved in a number of events where, where, where people came into the university. And one of the things that people would come up to me and say, you know, I only came in because I was interested in this topic or that topic. I wouldn't be much for the university. You know, not because they dislike it, but because they think somehow it's something other or something beyond them. I think it's really vitally important that we break that down uh, and bring people in and make them feel welcome. And again, I think that that's – in terms of long-term, longer-term dividends in the university being a partner in the community, I don't think it can be under, underestimated how important that is. Absolutely. And I suppose to go back to your own uh, your own journey, if, if you were able to, and I hopefully you will have some freedom to get to a few of these, but what would be your top picks in, in, over the next few, few weeks? Well, the, the, in terms of the, the first thought talks, I mean, you know, the one that leaps out at me naturally, I suppose, in one sense is uh, where is Brexit now uh, mm-hmm. involving Fintan O'Toole, who I think whose commentary has been, as always, probing uh, and thoughtful and provocative. I don't agree with all of it, but I think it's very interesting to hear from him. I think it's fa- fantastic um, that he's going to be uh, here on campus. Uh, I think that the Me Too um, um, event uh, with Una Mullally and Kathy Sheridan and others, I think that would be fascinating to explore uh, the roots and the origins and the progress of that movement as well as I suppose I'm a political junkie and I'm particularly interested in referendum campaigns. So uh, one year on from repeal, uh, the 8th, uh, I think is going to be another very interesting one. And lastly, because uh, I love sport uh, and particularly I love the GAA, uh, the Irish border and the GAA and also um, the idea of uh, another another uh, talk uh, on sport being, being both uh, dividing and potentially unifying force and odd. There's a lot there to consider. All six of those, to me, are the ones that leap out, and there are others, too, that I'd be interested in. Great, great. And I suppose uh, on campus here for the second week of the festival, uh, we have the cleft in the O'Donoghue Centre, a fantastic play by Rough Magic. Uh, We have uh, now is the time to say nothing in the Bank of Ireland and that is selling fast I believe. Um, So it is is, uh, important to get your tickets and that is looking again to the political um, and and Syria and um, and it's a very it's it's an installation almost where you have a one to one experience and it's a, quite a personal experience. Um, other ones that might come under that political banner under the uh, until the flood is happening in the McLally Theatre and really focusing on the Black Lives Matter Black Black Lives Matter movement um, and another of our Galway. Uh, contingent um, on Thaiviark is hosting Redemption Falls by Moonfish Theatre Company as well in that second week. But I suppose just to move a bit away from the festival now and to think about the other work that you do and how it has brought you to here, I believe you run the Kennedy Summer School in Wexford and that's coming up in September of this year. So 
kind of dovetailing nicely between one and the other and uh, I suppose shows us a little bit about where you're coming from. You really are a political junkie in that sense of the word and a glutton for punishment in a great way. Um, But tell us a little bit about this summer school in Wexford. Yeah, the the, the Kennedy Summer School um, was was founded by uh, Noel Whelan, who I I regret to say has recently passed away. Uh, But Noel's vision always was that New Ross, where the Kennedy family hailed from, uh, was missing a trick. That, you know, one of the things could happen was it could capitalize on that identity uh, and build a tourist brand. And they've done that through a variety of different things. The Summer School is the latest addition to that. Uh, And the idea is we bring in high-profile speakers from uh, Ireland, the United States, and beyond. Uh, and we spend three days literally hashing out the big political issues of the day. Uh, and we've been very, very fortunate to have some extraordinary guests uh, over the years, including many members of the, the Kennedy family, some of the leading uh, American political figures, Irish political figures. Um, this year, for instance, we're very, very happy to have three keynotes. Uh, the uh, Eamon, Archbishop Eamon Martin, who's going to talk about religion and politics, something that was a big issue for the Kennedy family. Uh, Congressman Bruce Morrison of Morrison Visa fame will be doing a public interview with Katrina Perry. Uh, and we all, I myself will be doing a public interview with Maureen Dowd, uh, columnist for the New York Times. So there's a wide range of different things. Uh, and I suppose it is, um, you know, a, among a suite of different things I do. I'm hesitant to, to use that title, public intellectual, because it makes me feel makes me feel <laughs> like I'm a bit over the top. But it is one of the things that I do and one of the things that my job and my research and other things give me time to do. And I think it adds uh, both to my own kind of background that I bring to uh, teaching students. I think it also uh, benefits the university as well. Sure. And and that you bring that kind of knowledge with you into the classroom, into the lecture halls is vital uh, for students who will have to hit the ground running now um, on on graduation and uh, taking their own careers and moving forward in their own careers. Yeah, I think one of the things it, one of the things it does is we're very keen in the law school and I think in other departments as well is that uh, two things. I think a lot of people, they study something in university mm-hmm. uh, and hopefully it's very useful to them but oftentimes they do different things. They use their degrees to do different things. A lot degree to me is very portable. I mean, law and politics are two sides of the same coin. Uh, when I do things outside the university, I'm drawing on my legal training the whole time, uh, whether conscious or subconscious. So I like to, uh, I think, subtly in a way communicate that to students that they can do uh, the lots of doors that are open uh, to them uh, in that regard. The other thing I think that we want our students to be aware of, and that's why I think being mindful of what's going on in the world uh, is important, is because um, so many of the jobs that they might be doing in 20 years don't exist right now. And what emerges and what happens is ultimately going to be down to those two trends I spoke about earlier, uh, technology and globalization. Uh, so it's, I think it's important that we communicate that to them from a very early stage as well, to keep your mind open and don't be so narrowly focused uh, on one thing or other that might actually be obsolete when there might be myriad opportunities in other directions when they, when they emerge and start their careers. Sure. And I suppose that's also just to think about GIAF and how the relationship and the partnership with NUI Galway has manifested uh, these first thought talks being one aspect of and also they run a selected programme with the drama and theatre studies and and beyond where students can go and watch uh, watch all the events and attend the events but then get the behind the scenes they get to meet the directors the producers the people who finance um, and like you say those transferable skills that a drama uh, that that are not a, 
automatically associated with a degree in drama, for example, here in NUI Galway, but would be very much the areas where students end up working and uh, and where they end up really cutting their teeth. So that kind of opportunity through through access to this International Arts Festival to the calibre of um, speakers, uh, to the calibre of performers, artists, visual artists, uh, is really a, a, a massive advantage to our students even though they're not in in college, but all of these talks, for example, in your in the case of the first thought talks, are they're recorded? I believe. Mm-hmm. I, absolutely, I think that that's why the partnership between the university and the arts festival is so important and so strong. It ranges from everything from the human connections that you mentioned before that students have a chance uh, to form, to seeing the nuts and bolts of how these things happen, of all that goes into their making, uh, which is again something students aren't often exposed to and hugely useful. Then to the ultimately to the finished product. I mean, what's the what's the event? What's the music event? What's the first thought talk, what, what is it that inspires them? What is it the line or something that they take away with them uh, and that might provide some guidance to them uh, as they embark upon their journeys? That's why I think it's really, really important to have uh, the relationship and it's why I think uh, the arts can can inspire uh, and I think why the, the thought talks, again, uh, which oftentimes the arts emanate from the context we live in. So I think it's that broader vision uh, of thinking that I think our students should be exposed to and I think that the Arts Festival provides that opportunity. Yes, and the Galway is the is the backdrop to it all, uh, and the the centre uh, and holding that space for all of this wonderful activity to happen. And uh, we think of the iconic spaces uh, and the university being one, the the big top uh, in Fisheries Field being another, uh, and all the various venues that are used throughout the city and indeed the streets uh, of Galway throughout the two weeks. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think it's a setting uh, without parallel for something like this. And again, it's a, a setting in terms of capturing uh, particularly young people's minds and enthusiasm and energy, uh, all that stuff. So it works at a number of different levels. Great. And so I suppose just to, to kind of finish up um, today, the the kind of the notion of the uh, of the first thought talks and and how people engage with it how would you recommend that people kind of approach this or or you know if you if you're thinking of coming to something like this and you've never been before um you know what 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 should you expect from these well, I'd recommend a couple of things. I think the, the first thing is I would spend a few minutes if you have the time, and I know people don't have a huge amount of time, but I would come into it, and I expect probably most people would do a little bit of research, do a little back, a bit of background on uh, both the person who might be moderating the discussion and the person who's giving the discussion because people's backgrounds a- invariably shape where they're coming from. Uh, the second thing I would think is come with an open mind, uh, be open to what's being said. Uh, the third thing I, I think would be uh, – Critical listening, something I'm always telling my students to do uh, that I think is a skill that's vastly underrated, not just to listen for what's being said, but to listen to what's being said and perhaps to say, well, do I agree or do I not agree? Uh, And to think about that continually as you go on. So listen critically. Uh, And then the fourth, I would say, and certainly there will be time uh, in my interview with Marion McKeown for this, is don't hesitate to get up and ask questions. Uh, There there really is almost no such thing as a bad question. If you have a question in a certain respect, chances are some 
somebody else does. And those are often the best parts of talks like these, the questions and answers, and what the various perspectives that the audience has to bring to bear, how they make the speaker reflect and the chair reflect uh, on what's been said. So I think there's all it's all there for people to do, uh, just a little bit of effort, and I think they'll get even more from it. Thank you very much, Larry Donnelly, for being with us today and a really, really fantastic talk there and lots to think about as we peruse the programme and look forward to the the next week of, of the First Thought Talks. Thank you very much. Thank you.